All right, so today we're starting a new series, and we're calling this series Basic. And the reason we're calling it basic, and I want you to understand, basic is not, a, it's not like a, a condescending term. It doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean simple. Basic, for the purpose of this series, means foundational. It means as, as we go through life and as we go through this thing with God, this relationship, this experience, this, this life that he's called us into, there are some foundational truths that we need to know. There are some things, and maybe you've been in church before, and it sounded like the pastor was just speaking Greek or Latin or something, and, and it, yes, amen, right? And sometimes the pastor was speaking Greek or Latin or something, and, and I love how pastors use one Greek word. This word in Greek means blah, blah, blah. He doesn't use any other Greek, but that one is important. But we, we don't believe this is a place where you should have to learn our language to worship with us. Jesus did something really cool when he walked the earth. He spoke in the language of the streets. He spoke in Aramaic. He, he, he didn't speak in the, in the words of the, of the priestly class. He spoke in the words of the common man because he came for common men and women. And so we believe that people should understand the things we're talking about. And so it's sort of like if, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, some things have to be foundational. You have to learn the basics before you can add on the next level. And too many times we just skip the basics. So when I was learning to drive a tractor, and this, this is a true story, um, I am in, I'm probably like on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being phenomenal, I'm a 9.5 when it comes to tractor driving. This is true, Waldrons. I'm a 9.5. But I did, there was a time when, like many of you, I didn't know the foundational, the foundational points of driving a tractor. And it all started for me like this. I was hunting with one of my friends. Actually, we were going to prepare a hunting place. And I'm standing over here, and I've been unloading all this corn and whatnot. And this guy, who's a, he's a real manly man, and he looks at me and he says, here's what I want you to do, Tommy. I want you to take that tractor over there, and it's blue. It's a big blue tractor. And he said, I want you to take that tractor right there, and I want you to uh, go out there and bush hog or brush hog or bunny hop or whatever you call it. I want you to clear the North 40. And I was like, all right, all right, clear the North 40, brush hog it with that tractor right there. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. And so I kind of walked off at first because I was kind of embarrassed because I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. First off, I'm the most directionally challenged human being in the world. Like, so if someone tells me to go north, the first thing I normally do is look up. Like, <laughs> so the North 40 might as well have been the North Pole because I wasn't going to. Then I had no idea how to drive a tractor. So I come back to him and I'm like, hey, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go bush hog there, the North 40, but I need to know where the North 40 is, and then I need to know how to drive that tractor. And this guy, kind of frustrated, looks at me and goes, you're a grown man. Get on there and figure it out. So I got on the tractor. This is a true story. And I Googled the basics of driving a tractor. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I Googled it. The basics of driving a tractor. And sure enough, some guy in overalls, hello, I'm Jim. This is the basics of driving a tractor. First, you know, and so, so I started doing it. I'm driving, a driving on a tractor. I'm driving that thing. Well, by the end of the day, I was getting unstuck using the bucket to push myself out of holes. Come on now. 
professional. Amen. But I lacked the foundational tools to be a good tractor driver. And I shouldn't have been embarrassed about that. There was never a need in my life before to drive a tractor. It wasn't like at PA there was a tractor convention. And I needed, at my high school, tractors weren't popular, okay? So, I mean, it wasn't like I ever needed to know how to drive a tractor. So I wasn't embarrassed. It just wasn't something I knew. But the gentleman was actually kind enough to help me understand a few things. But as I got the basics of driving a tractor, I could add to those things. But you couldn't just jump on a tractor and start digging straight line ditches. Y'all don't know what that means. <laughs> but you couldn't do that. You had to learn the basics first. Too many times, guys, I, I don't know whether it's pastors or churches or what, we skip over the basics because there's an assumption that everyone should know what we're talking about. Weren't you in Sunday school? Did you not learn the basics? But listen to this. If everyone here understands all the basics of the Bible, then we aren't reaching the people God is calling us to reach. There should be people in here all the time who have no idea what this book is about and never be embarrassed about that because it's not your fault. Someone should have taught you. It's our fault. The Bible says, how will they know if we don't teach them? And so today, we're going to start a series called Basics. And we're going to uncover some foundational things. And if you've been in church your whole life and you're going, well, I already know this, then humble yourself. Because God can always teach you something new using something old. And oftentimes, it's not really, um, it's not that we need more knowledge. It's that we need to take the knowledge we have and put it into action. A basic understanding of, of Christianity, of biblical truth, isn't just about head knowledge. It's about what you do. Like, I could have read a book on a tractor, but, but, I mean, I couldn't have read a book on, like, I could have read a book about tractors. But if I hadn't gotten out there and driven the tractor, I would have no foundational knowledge of a tractor. Too many times our knowledge of the Bible stops at the Bible, at reading it. But I, I love this thing that Matthew chapter 7 what it truly means to have a strong foundation. Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these, and this is Jesus talking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. To have a strong foundation, you've got to begin to put some things into action. And so over this series, it's not just going to be about head knowledge, although I hope we gain some. It's going to be some practical steps to actually go and do the things the Bible is telling us to do. Because that's what it takes to build a strong foundation. And for week one, on our tour of BASIC, uh, we're going to start off discussing a word many of you have probably heard before. And that word is repent. Week one, today, we're going to talk about a topic called repentance. And maybe for many of you, just saying that word kind of churns your stomach a little bit. Because maybe you were raised in a place where that was an ugly word, where it was a word to beat people down, where, where the pastor or, or someone, or maybe a Sunday school teacher was angry and they used this word like to constantly correct you and to condemn you. But repent is one of the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. It is a love word. And today my hope is that we understand a new meaning for an old word. And this word 
is across the entire book of the Bible. Matter of fact, Ezekiel, which is in the Old Testament, he was one of the prophets. Ezekiel 18 says this, Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent! Exclamation point. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O people of Israel? All right, so in this Old Testament verse, keep, keep that verse up there for me. It says, therefore, you Israelites, I will judge you. Repent. You see where it says repent, exclamation point? All right, this, this usage in this passage seems to be consistent with the use of the word repent all across the Old Testament. It says repent, and then it says a couple more things. It says turn away from all of your offenses. So the first thing we see after we see the word repent is to, if you're going this direction, to turn away from your offenses. So the first understanding of the word repent, at least according to the Old Testament, is to turn away from whatever you're doing that's separating you from God. And so repent is going to be, keep that up there, repent is going to be used in correlation with the word sin a lot. And sin, biblically speaking, means this, to elevate your will over the will of God. Too often I think we think sin is just, uh, you know, I don't know, cussing or, or, or murdering or stealing or something. Those things are sins, but so is not doing what God has told you to do. So is seeing a situation where you could help and not helping. Sin is any time you elevate your will and your desires over the will and the desires of God. This is what Adam and Eve did in the garden. You can't tell me eating an apple is a sin, right? Matter of fact, if you had an apple this week, you didn't consider it a sin. But when eating that apple elevates your will over the will of God, then eating that apple has become a sin. So to repent is to turn away from your will and to turn to God's will. And then it says, rid yourself of the offense. So it's not just to turn away from your will and turn to God's will. It's to rid yourself of your will. And then it says something else down here. It says, and get a new heart and a new spirit. You see that? So what it sounds like, it's saying, if we do some Bible math here, is when I repent, when I turn away from my will and I turn to God's will, when I rid myself of my will and turn to God's will, the result of that is a new heart and a new spirit. That, that seems to be what the verses are saying. So it, it leads me to believe that maybe repenting is about more than just saying I'm sorry. I had a friend in high school, and uh, his, na his name is Vancura. Well, that was his last name, but we called him Vancura. And he would always have a straw in, in our algebra class. And it's probably the reason I've, I've failed algebra so many times. He would always have this straw, and he would keep it in his mouth. And he would get these little bitty pieces of paper, and he would put them in his mouth. And he would chew on them. For like minutes until they were heavy with spit and then he would take said straw and go Poom. and his aim amen his aim was remarkable every time it would hit you right in the side of the face and so then you had this little nugget of hardened spit paper on the side of your face or on your forehead or occasionally if you had been yawning that was the that was the holy grail for him was to hit you in your mouth and every time, 
and this is a true story. I wish Meta was here because Meta would tell you this is a true story. Every time he would hit you, he'd go, don't give me back, don't give me back, don't give me back, don't give me back. Every time. So every time he would, boom, hit me with one, and then he would go, don't give me back, don't give me back, don't give me back. And for most of us, that's what repenting is. We commit some sin and then go, I don't want the punishment, I don't want the punishment, I don't want the punishment. Knowing in our heart we're going to do it again. Our spirit knows it, our heart knows it, God knows it, but we, boom, don't give me back, don't give me back, don't give me back. And this is what repenting is for most Christians. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please don't make me face any consequences for what I just did. But I'm going to do it again. As if the lion is a fool. Right? How many of us, if we're honest, have done that? I have. I've played that game with God. Don't give me back, don't give me back, don't give me back. And God's going, oh man, you don't understand. You don't understand what it means to repent. But we see here. It means to turn away from sin, to choose his will over your will. And the beauty of repenting is, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we'll see, is it leads us to a point where we actually feel the way about sin that God feels about sin. We actually hate it. And when that happens, repenting isn't, isn't a pain. Repenting is a way to connect you with the Father. That was the Old Testament. Matthew 4, 17, this, this, is what, this is what Jesus said. It says, when Jesus showed up, and this Matthew who hung out with Jesus, he wrote this. He said, from, the time, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I read this this week, and I think for a lot of people, we think, well, Jesus was there now. He took the pain for all the sin, so why, why would we need to repent? Jesus paid for my sin. Why do I need to repent? But it seems, because Jesus said this thing a lot, it seems that Jesus had the exact same idea that Ezekiel had, that you needed to repent, to turn away from sin, to rid yourself of it, and to turn towards God. And then after Jesus dies, Jesus is resurrected. He goes to heaven. They send the Holy Spirit. And Peter, who hung out with Jesus, who knew him, this is what he writes about it in Acts 3.17. He says, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then. Then look what he says. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So when we keep that one up there, when we begin to look at this story, it honestly looks like there must come a time in our life where the weight of our sin is so difficult that we can't stand it anymore and we actually turn towards it and turn to God that our sins may be wiped out. Now hear me. You don't receive life with Christ because you repent. You receive that because of the grace of Jesus Christ. You receive that because of the blood of the Lamb. But, but there does seem to be so that. Like if I want my sins to be wiped away forever and completely and be changed and be in a right relationship with God, Jesus moves, but we must respond. Remember, God's the perfect gentleman. He never trumps your free will. He moves, but there must be a response. And the response of his grace is to repent. 
to turn away and to turn towards so that your sins may be wiped away. True repentance never results in the loss of something. It always results in gaining life. God wants to give us life. And so when we turn from the things that are hurting us, the result will always be freedom. You're allowing God to change your heart. Then you're using your free will to move towards God. And this is, repentance is not just a one-time thing. Like it's not something you do one day, the first day you accept Jesus Christ, oh God, I'm sorry for all my sins. Even once we have God, even once we have Jesus, the Bible seems to indicate that we should continue to repent. Chronicles, again, the Old Testament. Chronicles, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. There's a key word in there to me, and I'd never thought about this. It says, if what people? My people who are called by my name. That means people who are already his people, people who are wearing his name. If my people who wear my name will humble themselves and repent. I think sometimes we as Christians think, I did that once. It's like I said I love you on my wedding day. Why would I ever need to do it again? How's that working out for you? I repented once when I accepted Christ. Repentance is not a one-time thing. I repented and I am repenting. I was given life and I am receiving life daily. It's not something we just do once. We live lives of repentance and moving closer to God and sins being eliminated. And, and repentance is not a tool God gave us to cope with sin so that we feel better. Repentance is a tool God uses to destroy sin. If your cycle of repentance is like your cycle of washing your hair, uh, wash, rinse, repeat, you know, sin, repent, repeat, then something's gone wrong. If it's the same sin over and 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 over, either God's not doing his job or, or your repentance is not sincere. There's got to be some change. Every now and then I've, I've, I've prayed this prayer, God, just let me start repenting about something new. I mean, really, I've, I've prayed that prayer. God, I am tired of this fight. Give me something new to repent about. And he normally obliges. <laughs> 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If, if who confesses their sins? We, we who are all, and let me tell you something, Christianity, like it or not, is an us and them thing. Because you are in or you are out. And that, that's just the way it is. He desires for every, That's why some people don't like us. That's why some people call it exclusive. But you're in or you're out. And I didn't make the rules. You've either surrendered your life to Christ or you have not. So we, when, when these people say we, they don't mean the king's English. They mean we of who are in. If we who are Christians confess our sins, he will once again cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Over and over, he will cleanse us. We're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about this process of sanctification, which I know is a big one, but come back. And uh, it's this process of cleansing us. Of our unrighteousness. So that's what it means. All right, so that's, that's what repentance means. It means to turn away from your will and to turn to God's will. So how do we do it? How do we practically put this 
in step in our lives. And here's the first thing you do. Step number one. If you take notes, this is a good time to take notes. Step number one. Don't pray asking God to help you stop that sin. Pray and ask God to make you hate it. Ask God to make you hate that sin. And I don't mean hate a person, and I don't mean hate in the sense that we think of hate. I mean that compared to God and his glory, that thing feels like hatred to us. Ask God to make you hate it. God, elevate your will above my pride. God, make me hate my pride. God, make me so in love with you that in those moments where I am prideful, it actually breaks my heart. It pains me to be prideful. God, that addiction, that, that alcohol, that, that drug, that, that whatever, God, elevate your image so high above that that anything that would steal glory from you, I actually end up hating it. I can't stand it. God, destroy that thing. That lust, God, take that thing and make me just hate the idea that I would ever do that to you, God. God, whatever it is, make me hate it. Like, make me love you so much more that even to give that thing a thought actually crushes my soul. That's where you start. Not help me stop doing that thing. He's so much bigger than that. He doesn't just change your action. As a matter of fact, his action, your action is not his highest concern. Your heart is what he wants. God, change my heart. I can't just change. I don't have the willpower. If I had it, we wouldn't be doing this. I don't have it. Don't just change the action, God. Change my heart. That's where you start. Pray, God, make me hate it. Second thing you do is this. You tell someone that you need help. You confess that issue to someone who loves Jesus Christ more than they love you. Guys, let me tell you something. I know how difficult it is to completely trust someone. But there is no pure illustration of the love of Christ than to allow someone to know you completely. And then for that person to return and love you completely. And it is so rare. Most of us go through our entire lives never really being fully loved because we're never really fully known. Somebody's got to know. Somebody's got to know what you're dealing with. And I mean, it, the bartender is probably not the best person to confess to. Um, you know, I'm just, they're, they're probably somebody else. I'm not saying that bartenders are bad. I'm just saying they hear that stuff all night. You need someone who's, who's new, you need someone fresh. Confess to someone. The Bible says, it says, confess your sins, and this is a paraphrase. It says, confess your sins to God and be forgiven. Confess your sins to man and be healed. Be healed. Like the way you are healed of these things is when you take something that's been hiding in the darkness and you take it out and light is shown on it because light always destroys darkness. How do they, how do they heal cancer? They see it. They find it. They reveal it and they destroy it. Allow someone to know what your struggle is. The third thing we do is this. If it is possible, it's not always possible. If it is possible, you get rid of it. I, uh, there, there's a verse, Matthew 5, I think it's Matthew 5, 29, and it's about the right eye causing you to stumble. Have you ever heard this verse? If, you, if you're new to church, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible, and it basically says this. If, if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Now, it's not literally wanting you to do that, so don't run home and do that. 
But I rewrote that for the purposes of today's uh, message. And I think God's going to forgive me for rewriting scripture this one. So throw that one. This is Matthew uh, 5, 29, and this is the new Tommy Jones version. That's the NTJV. He gave me a, a green light this time. I'm going to read this one this way because I don't have it in my notes, so forgive me. If your phone causes you to stumble, downgrade it to one without internet. Amen. If Facebook causes you to judge or to covet or to say dumb things or to repeatedly share information about kids who were lost 75 years ago but have been found, then delete your account. If food, alcohol, or drugs cause you to self-harm, then join a recovery group and ask someone to help you get rid of the junk and be healthy. If your greed causes you to lie on your taxes, call H&R Block and give them everything you really have. Isn't this great? If your TV causes you to let filth in your house, get rid of it. Whatever is causing you to stumble, turn away from it. It's better for you to lose whatever that was than to lose the life God designed you to have. Amen. Whatever it is, like we, we got it, we got to get extreme. Guys, I, man, I wish, I wish we'd all just be really honest ones. As a matter of fact, shut your eyes, shut your eyes. Just nobody peek, nobody. Raise your hand if you've ever been caught in a repetitive cycle of sin that you can't get out of. Just raise your hand, nobody look. Raise your hand. Good job, amen, me too. My hand's up, y'all can open your eyes and look. Mine's up. You can't keep doing the same thing the same way and expect a new outcome. You can't keep praying in secret and silent. Can't keep praying weak prayers that you don't really mean. The bravest prayer you'll ever pray is, God, change my heart. Because sometimes the thing we're letting go of is the thing we really want. God, change my heart. Change my heart. And even if God doesn't, we're obedient by sharing with someone else and by turning away and turning towards. Repent. Today's word is repent. And this is not a dirty word. This is not an angry word. This is not a word to steal your life. This is a word you, God uses to make his chosen people clean. 